Hello and welcome to the Anchor Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Wednesday evening Bible studies here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson. We left off on uh, chapter 10, verses 12, 13, and then we're going to move to 14 now. We have distinguished already that there's a difference between calling on the Lord and believing on the Lord. Believe and you will get righteousness if you believe. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be sozo. You will be delivered physically by the Lord. And so we made that distinction. We tied it to Joel. We tied it to Israel believing first and then calling on Jesus to save them in the second coming. So now I want to go into verse 14 of Paul explaining more the process of how someone gets saved and not only saved eternally, but delivered physically. Verse 14 says this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So let's back up and let's see the order that Paul is giving about belief and calling and how this works. So the idea is that the first thing that has to happen, according to verse 14, is someone has to believe. Okay, In order to believe, they've got to hear something. That hearing must have content. There must be content behind that. So in order for content to come to the individual, that requires special revelation. Now, Paul has already made this point in Romans chapter 1 that general revelation is made aware to everybody. The Bible also declares that general revelation is made, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And so you have general revelation. General revelation includes four different aspects, if I can remember them. Number one, creation. Number two, conscience. Your conscience bears witness of God's law on you. The third one is history, your history, God's history. If you look through all of history, history proclaims God. And fourth is providence, providence. And providence in not only in, in, in Israel's life, that Israel exists, but providence in your own personal life, that things happened in your life that are unexplainable to you, that providentially got you to where you're at. Those are the four general revelations given to human beings. And if you respond to the general revelation, then you will be given content. And the content is special revelation, but to get that special revelation, someone must be sent to you if you follow the Apostle Paul to get that. So whether that's an angel or whether that's a missionary, whether that's a believer or somebody, someone will be sent to you to get you the special revelation, whether that's getting the Bible into your hands or whatever. Because what is necessary is you have to have, God has determined that the means in which you hear special revelation comes from a so-called preacher. Not like a preacher in a pulpit. It means that someone proclaims the truth to you and then he, and he, he quotes how beautiful are the feet of those who, who uh, preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's a quote from Isaiah 52, 7. And you can see now that there's four aspects in how someone gets saved. 
Paul will make that point in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, if you read that of how someone gets saved. And what you're seeing in this passage destroys Calvinism because faith comes by hearing and hearing the content of Scripture. Okay? In Calvinism, faith comes by regeneration and regeneration produces faith in the believer. Notice how it's backwards. But in this passage, Paul is explaining to you what is the grace of God that's given to people if they respond to general revelation and then they respond to uh, the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the convictions of the Holy Spirit, obviously, internally in them, then God gives them something. And what he gives them is special revelation. Now, in Calvinism, I'm going to make a contrast. What you're hearing from the Apostle Paul is that God preps the heart not only with the Holy Spirit, but the use of the Word of God in special revelation to bring someone to faith. Okay. In Calvinism, bringing someone to them is not necessary because they, in Calvinism, have what they call prevenient grace. Okay? Now, my thing is, I want to find the Scripture that talks about prevenient grace because I can't find it still. But they have it in their concepts. In their institutes, prevenient grace must be given to the individual in order for them to be basically to believe. And that prevenient grace encompasses regeneration. That person must be ontologically changed internally in order to want to be saved. If not, if God doesn't change them inside, then they won't want to be saved. But yet, in their system, he selects who he wants to say, be saved, and they don't get a choice in the matter. So you're saved beyond your choice. Okay, so let's talk about prevenient grace then. Paul is making the point that, he's already made the point that faith comes inside of you. It's inside of you. So what t- speaks to that faith is content, content coming from God. We would say, we agree that God must initiate salvation. There's no doubt about that. And he does. He does initiate to everybody. He puts the call out to everybody. And we would say that he doesn't regenerate people until they believe. He regenerates them after they believe. But the grace that God gives, he puts the call out to them and the grace that he extends to them is this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit internally and the Word of God. That is biblically what God sends people in order to be saved. Now, we don't, we don't necessarily call that provenient grace uh, like a Calvinist do because they say that those uh, regeneration has to happen. And we're saying, no, 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 no. If the person responds to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God being presented, then they can make a choice of whether to be saved or not. In that situation here that Paul's describing, let's back up and remember the context because I want to make a point about this. The context is he's talking to a Jewish interlocutor, an arguer. And the context is he's, he's, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about Israel. And the interlocutor has said, why has Israel failed? Is it that God's word has failed with the Jews? And Paul says, 
No, it is not that God's word failed. It is the fact that the Israelites failed at something. And what did they fail at? Why is he quoting from Isaiah 52, 7? Because he's talking to Jews. The Jews know Isaiah 52, 7. What Paul is saying, and he's going to continue to say past this, is this. The reason the Jews failed is because they failed to believe the special revelation that God gave them. They knew it, and they refused it. And so the idea that, that uh, Isaiah is saying, how, how, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good, glad tidings, they didn't consider that good tidings. They didn't consider the feet of those who brought them this good. They actually rejected it and thought it was bad. And, and so Paul's making the point that what the Gentiles are receiving is what the majority of the Jews rejected. Now, there is a remnant, but he's making a distinction here. And the, the logical extension of Israel's theology is that they, their theology led them to reject the special revelation about the Messiah. That's what happened. And that's what, that's how the majority of Israel failed. Now, if you move on from here, look in verse 16. But they, the Jews, have not all obeyed. Or the word in Greek is hearken. It's uh, voluntary submission. They have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So Paul is showing you that they didn't obey the gospel. To obey the gospel is to believe the gospel, right? And he says, look, Isaiah already predicted that they wouldn't believe the report about the Messiah. Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's very true. That's how the Gentiles are being saved, but that's how Israel failed. They didn't take that provision and believe. Verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? He's asking that about Israel. You answer his question. Has Israel not heard the special revelation that was predicted about the Messiah? They have. So notice that that's a hypothetical. And he says, yes, indeed. Right? They're not ignorant. Their, their sound has gone out of all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. He's saying, not only did the Jews hear, but everyone else heard it. Of course they heard the, the revelation about the Messiah. They cannot claim ignorance. The first century generation is what they did is inexcusable because of the prophets. And that's why they committed the unpardonable sin. And yet, so all of this they were given and yet Israel resisted. Verse 19. But I say, did Israel not know? Of course not. They knew. First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation referring to the Gentiles, I, uh, or even the church, you could say, I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. It's the Gentiles, right? But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Now, think about this. Now we're going to get into the realm of irresistible grace in Calvinism. 
Okay? Because Paul's demolishing irresistible grace by his argumentation here. What do you mean? Irresistible grace is that, is the Calvinist belief that when God gives his prevenient grace to an individual, they of their own will cannot resist his calling. That once he puts the call out to them, they will automatically be saved. They will, once he changes them ontologically, they'll want to believe at that point. There's no will of their own. So it's irresistible when he calls people. But what does this text say about Israel? All day long, I stretch out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. God is saying, I'm extending salvation to my people all day long, over and over and over again. But what's the problem? They keep resisting me. Dead is irresistible grace. It's dead on arrival, according to the Apostle Paul. He is saying that Israel is resisting God. And these other Gentiles are coming because they're not resisting. They're believing the word of truth. They're believing the revelation. But my people are resisting. If Calvin just or Augustine just would read Paul in context, you would never have the doctrine of irresistible grace. It just when he's showing you right here, this is the problem. They keep resisting. And he keeps extending, extending. And Isaiah, Moses and Isaiah are saying, look, uh, uh, these Gentiles are going to come and that's going to provoke you to jealousy, hopefully, and eventually will. But as far as irresistible grace, it, your, God's grace can be resisted. Absolutely can be resisted. Let me ask you this. On a personal level, as a believer, can you resist the grace of God in your life? How would you do that? Because we're not talking about salvation, but how would you resist the grace of God in your own personal life? Okay, so conviction of the Holy Spirit is, is grace of God saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, stop, 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 quit, don't stop. Right. Therefore, it is possible then for a believer to resist the grace of God, isn't it? It is possible in salvation for an unbeliever to resist grace of God in salvation. And so for you, if, you, if you extend it, uh, the grace that God gives us, so you have his word, the revelation, that's grace right there. The scriptures are his grace given to you and I to find life, to know how to live the abundant life. It also teaches us in that Bible the tools and equipment necessary for us to grow, for us to get over our issues uh, in order to resist temptation, to resist sin. It's all there. It's all there in the scriptures. All the tools are there to make us like Christ, right? He's not left us abandoned or orphaned. He's left us with tools. So what happens if you don't use the tools? You deny his grace. This is exactly it. If you don't read your Bible and you don't use the tools in the Bible in order to become more like Christ, you are resisting grace. Now, when you go to the book of Galatians, Paul will say, some of you have fallen from grace. Now, why does he say that? He tells the Galatian believers, some of you have fallen from grace. Does that mean he's, they've lost salvation? No, because that, that doesn't uh, work with eternal security. So he must be meaning something else. 
You know, you're not walking in the Lord. And if you're not walking in the, the, the environment of grace, where grace is found, you must be outside the sphere of that grace, and you must be functioning in another sphere. So if I'm not, again, thinking spheres. In this sphere is where grace is found. If I step out and I go into this sphere, I have fallen from grace, I've left the sphere of grace, and now I'm operating in another sphere. Carnality, the world system, that made new age, self-actualization. And then the other one is, is legalism. So you can name all these different spheres that are around that you can step into at any point in time. And the minute you step into that sphere, you have departed out of the sphere of grace. And now you're operating in carnality, in worldliness. You're operating in legalism. Because that's the whole point of, of Galatians, right? Is they're going into legalism. And he says, when you go into legalism, you've left the sphere of grace. Where all your help is. And the whole point of stepping into legalism or any of these other spheres is they can't help you spiritually grow. You are dead. So if you try to handle your problems on your own, guess what sphere you're working in? Outside of grace. Outside of the tools. Outside of what the scriptures provide. Now let me ask you this, on, on just as an observation as a Christian, do you see how many Christians operate out of the sphere? Where help, there's not, they're not getting help over here. But yet they come to church, they go to Bible studies, they hear, but what is the problem? They don't want to use the tools. Why don't they want to use the tools? Yeah, but, but there's something that's appealing to going outside in these other spheres. It's appealing. Paul. Could be. Yeah, they're not being taught correctly. Absolutely. So they're ignorant of the, the spheres they're in. So if you go to a legalistic church, the people in the pews are going to think legalism is the way to go, right, or whatever. But they're operating outside the sphere. But, yes, absolutely. Joel is in classic case in point. He's not going to offer you anything other than flesh. Make your flesh feel good. So you're not operating in grace, you're operating in flesh. Absolutely. But why is... Going to these other spheres more appealing than staying in grace. Because I would think everyone would love the sphere of grace. No, it's not, because there's something problematic that most people don't like in this sphere. Huh? That what now? Yes, so in these spheres, you get to call the shots. You see how it works? You get to call the shots. In the sphere of grace, God calls the shots. He gives you the tools, but he calls the shots. So if I, if I jump into the world of flesh, or the world flesh sphere, then I get to determine what I want to do with my own life. And I call myself a Christian, but I've fallen from grace. So let's say I, I jump into the world of legalism, okay, as an example. So I'm going to make myself feel really, really good by giving me a checklist and in this checklist, if I do the top 10 thing, okay, went to church, went to a Bible study, said hello to uh, Marvin over there, had to tolerate him for a while, checklist, checklist, had to listen to some guy for a half hour speak nonsense, checklist. Okay, I did it. I'm spiritual. 
I did the checklist, right? You see how easy that game is played? And so all of a sudden, you can fake spirituality in the other spheres, but you cannot fake it in the sphere of grace. Because in the sphere of grace, there's only one thing that makes you spiritual. It's obedience. That's it. You can talk a good game of how you love Jesus out here in these other spheres, and a lot of people do. But they talk about Jesus, but they undermine their own witness by their behavior. But in this one, you can't fake it. You absolutely can't fake it. Because everybody knows if you're operating in this sphere, you will be exposed if you fake it. Oh, that's why the other spheres are more appealing. Oh, but in this sphere is where you get all the help. This is where you overcome. This is where you have victory because you use the godly tools and the godly tools are sometimes hard to use. Not that, that, not that you don't know how to use them. It's because they prod and they poke and they convict and they get in your dish and they start exposing areas in your life that you thought were hidden and they bring them into the light. Ooh, it's very convicting in this area. It's very painful sometimes. It's a good pain. It's redemptive pain. But that's why most people don't stay in that sphere. So with that being said, we're going to end there, but Paul is making the point, look, on a big level, this is what Israel did. They stopped operating by grace. Grace and salvation, no doubt about it, which Messiah offered. Grace in their sanctification, grace in their development as a nation. And they opted for legalistic sphere. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Bible Study Podcast. We hope that this lesson is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has another podcast called Anchor Sunday Sermons, and it's filled with past and present messages in Revelation, Genesis, and Exodus. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for the Anchor Sunday Sermons. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up, for our redemption draws nearer.